So this is a very interesting portion uh, for today, uh, Torah portion. It's a special portion because this is the Shabbat during Sukkot, uh, uh, during uh, Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. I think I just covered everybody's understanding of this holiday uh, and uh, or pronunciation of it, I should say. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, we have a big sukkah outside uh, there, and we had services, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the sukkah. Uh, and so this uh, 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 Torah portion has to do with uh, our ancestors in the wilderness, uh, of course, at, toward the beginning of their wilderness uh, wanderings. And, uh, and we read this portion in particular during this holiday because there is a description uh, of the character of God. Uh, and, of course, it's right here in chapter 34 of uh, Exodus. And by the way, if you attended services somewhere on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, you also heard uh, these verses. Very, very important to us, uh, uh, describing the character of God. It says in verse 6 of chapter 34, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth generations. If you uh, um, are one that, you know, you're not quite sure about uh, a lot of what the Bible says, but you're used to going to services at a synagogue, it's the part where uh, everyone says, Adonai, Adonai, right? Maybe you're familiar with that from attending services. And, uh, and, and so we call upon God on these holidays uh, that uh, because we're coming to him, like, like returning to him, and we're calling upon him uh, in his character, in his attributes, like saying to God, you know, I'm coming to you because you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, as Anna said, you don't have a bad day, right? Uh, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, and truth emet, you know, faithful, uh, true blue, you know, true inside and outside, not just true as opposed to false, but true as in uh, what's inside is the same as what's outside, right? And keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquities, yet uh, by no means leaves the guilty un unpunished. So why is this in here? What's going on uh, in this particular in this particular passage, and and you know, it's a it's a famous story, very very famous story of our people, but it relates to us also uh, as individuals, very very much so. So everything seemed to be going very well. The people came out of Egypt, redeemed out of Egypt. You know, the the parting of the Red Sea. It's glorious. It's magnificent. They get to the other side. They sing a song. Right. It's um, you know, Az Yashir Moshe. Right. There's no one like God. I, I, and uh, there's even liturgy that we're familiar with, prayers we're, we're familiar with that uh, uh, have to do with that. Micha mocha be'elim Adonai, you know, who is like you, uh, O Lord our God, right? So, uh, as I said, everything seems to be going very well. They're safe. They, they get out of the reach of the Egyptians. They get to Mount Sinai. 
God gives them this terrific calling on their lives. You know, you are a holy people. You are my people, a nation uh, of priests, right? A nation of leaders, spiritual leaders, uh, a, a holy people, a holy nation, right? And then they're there, and, the, and Moses goes up the mountain, right? A number of different times, if you read it. But anyway, he goes up the mountain uh, to get the tablets on stone. So everything seems great, but then the bottom drops out. Just when we thought everything was great and good, and we're like, you know, uh, zipping right along, everything falls apart. What happens? The people begin, you know, Moses is gone. They think that now they're all by themselves. They, give, they begin to practice all kinds of immoral activity. And they also included in all of that, build for themselves a golden calf, right? Terrible debauchery, bad things happening. God hears it. And by the way, we may think that we may be doing whatever we want to do, wherever it may be. But God sees it and knows it. Just like God could see the Israelites when he, you know, he's, he's occupied with Moses, uh, you know, giving him the uh, tablets, yet he knows what's going on. And so what a great reminder for us. God hears it as he always does. So what happens? God decides that he's going to judge them all. He's going to kill them all. Start over again with Moses, right? That's the first thing he says. But then Moses prays, and God lets them live. Then we read that God decides that he will not travel with them. He's not, going to, he's not going to kill them, but he's not going to have quite the same kind of relationship with them. He's not going to actually guide them to uh, Canaan, to Canaan, to Eretz Yisrael, to the promised land. All right, So he's not going to travel with them in the wilderness. Then Moses prays again. And now God says, okay, okay, Moses, I will restore the people. I will travel with them. I will guide them and direct them. And, and we know that if, if you read that, there's a, this class called the cloud of glory, uh, a cloud by day and a light by night. And, and God guides them, you know, in the wilderness. He doesn't uh, destroy them. He doesn't do away with them. He doesn't ignore them. In fact, he protects them. He guides them. He leads them. He provides for them. That's the Sukkot, right? We read in the Torah that uh, in their traveling, God had them live in Sukkot, right? And, and it symbolized God's protection for them uh, in, the, uh, in the wilderness. God says, I'm going to give, he says, I'll give you a redo or a do-over, right? So Moses goes back up the mountain to receive once again the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, and so we see here in this the forgiveness of God. And so when Moses is up there, he says, I want to see your glory. He needs, you know, he needs some assurance, you know. I want to see your glory, he says. And so God tells him, Go, you see that little spot in the, uh, in the cliff there? No pun intended. Okay, that uh, I, woo, yeah, okay. So go stand over there, right? Go stand over there, you know, in that little crevice there, right? And he does, and it says God passes by, right? And then we have the description of God passing by in his character, and that's these words that describe 
the character of, of God. And so it is a reminder to Moses and a reminder to us all of the faithfulness of God, that God is a forgiving God, uh, that he shows loyal love, chesed, a great word in Hebrew, chesed, loyal love. He never gives up on us, right? He never gives up on Israel. They uh, could give up on themselves. We might give up on ourselves. Other people might give up on us. But God never gives up on us. God never gives up on the people, even after the bottom drops out, even after everything falls apart by their own doing. You know, it wasn't, they, they couldn't really blame anybody. It was their own doing. Uh, and, and so they went, they went on their way, did what they wanted to do. Uh, it did cost them. Uh, but what's interesting is that that is not the reason why it took 40 years to get there. That wasn't what they did wrong that caused them to uh, wander around for all those, uh, all those years. God forgave them, he restored them, and he begins moving forward with them. It's a little bit later on that they, are, uh, they commit, in the eyes of God, uh, a transgression that keeps them for all those years in the wilderness. And that was not trusting God in his promises. That's when, if you remember it, they send uh, emissaries into the land to see what the land is like, right? And then they come back and they say, oi, oi, forget about it, right? They're giants, there's no way, you know, uh, we we are goners, right? Except for Joshua and Caleb, who say, no, we're going to trust God and we're going to continue on, see? But isn't that interesting? that the, the golden calf and all of the immorality that went with it, God forgives, sticks with them, and moves on. But it's when they won't believe in his promise and they won't trust him to get into the land, that cost them, it was already about two years in, an additional 38 years of wandering around in circles. And so that is a, uh, that is a great lesson to us that what God desires from us is repentance, no doubt, in, in, when, in whatever we do. But remember, the great lesson here is the character of God uh, never, uh, never changes. And so we read that portion on Sukkot because when we dwell in the Sukkah, it reminds us of the frailty of life. It reminds us, uh, you know, I said at, our, at our, uh, one of our Sukkot services that we had in the Sukkah, it's kind of an interesting holiday in that we have this very nice synagogue, we have this very nice sanctuary, but we have this service outside in this lean-to, basically. Uh, why would we do something like that? Because it reminds us that it is not the nice building, it is not all of the nice things that we might have or accumulate, but it is God himself, ultimately, who protects us and guides us, no matter what happens. And so the sukkah reminds us of simplicity, the simplicity of sort of a dwelling through the wilderness of this life and that God will indeed provide our needs. But it also reminds us of the frailty uh, of, of life. For many of us, having a nice home, having a nice building, having nice things, the accumulation of them gives us security and safety. And we're glad we're not like other people sometimes. 
right? Because of, of what we have. Uh, and we would, we would mouth the words, oh, I don't trust in any of these things. But the reality is, is, is indeed that we do. And when they're lost, then we wonder, what, is life worth living? And the reality is, is of course life is worth living because God is faithful. And the sukkah reminds us that we can live uh, in a sukkah, which we really do in life. We're kidding ourselves if we think that we find real security in anything other uh, you know, than, uh, than God. And so the sukkah reminds us of the frailty of life, the difficulty of life in the wilderness. But like our ancestors, like the Israelites in the wilderness, God brings us through it when we follow him, when we trust in his ways. We call it the derech Adonai, the way of the Lord, the road of of the Lord. Uh, And one of the things that we learn about this is, is that freedom is not easy. Here they come out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and it's a real it's difficult but they're free. So freedom is not always easy. Freedom means being able to follow the way of the Lord and finding truth and satisfaction in what is real uh, and right and assurance uh, of uh, of the future, right? They uh, they could have made it a lot easier on themselves, but because of their choices, uh, they uh, suffered uh, the consequences. Okay, uh, even suffering, uh, even when we suffer the consequences, God never gives up on them. Indeed, and He brings them, uh, you know, to Himself. So, uh, you know, later in Jewish history, God reminds them, and the prophets come back to me. This is who I really am. And you see parts of this little phrase: "The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth." who keeps his forgiveness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and, and sin, yet by no means will leave the guilty unpunished. You see parts of that and the thought of that all the way through the Bible, all the way through the entire history uh, of the Jewish people in the, you know, in the Tanakh, right? It is really the motivation, it, it, it's the foundation of what the prophets are saying. Return to me, come back to me. And you see, like, for example, in the prophet Hosea, that God is yearning for them to return. Come back to me, right? He says, come back with your words. And he says, Ephraim, Ephraim, how can I give you up? Ephraim, like a parent, right? Says to a wayward child, how can I give you up? You're mine. And that is the heart of God. The, we could say, uh, you know, the pathos uh, of God uh, uh, in, in his love uh, and his desire for the people. That's why you have the prophets. That's why he says return, because he believes that, that Israel can change. God believes that people can change. God believes that you and I can change. But the secret is he has to do the changing. We can't just say, I'm going to change. That's it. I'm going to change. God, help me to change. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm singing like a David Bowie song, you know? Uh, change, you know it, it doesn't happen just by wishing it. It does begin with, the, with our will. It begins with our will. I desire to change, but God has to do the changing. And the way that God does the changing, the transforming of our lives so that we will be one with him forever and ever uh, is by returning to him. And he brings us reconciliation. You know, but what's interesting is, of course, you know, as uh, Messiah followers, we understand Yeshua 
uh, as the one whom God has sent to be the satisfaction, to be the living water. He is the light. He is the one uh, who came and, and brings the change uh, in our lives. He came to manifest the very presence of God in this world and to bring the forgiveness of God uh, uh, to us. Uh, and it's important that we understand that, that Yeshua is not some um, made-up uh, idea of the Greeks or the Romans or, you know, or, or, or not just the, uh, the uh, non-Jewish idea of God or something like that, but indeed the very Messiah of Israel. And he is the very heart of God, like, the, like a living Torah. He is, according to his own words, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. We read that he is grace and truth. In Messiah himself is grace and truth. The attributes, all these attributes of this character of God that we read in the Torah is manifested in the person of the Messiah. And so we even read uh, how he would be misunderstood. It says he was, and this is in the Tanakh, in the prophet Isaiah. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. That sounds familiar. I could say I, I remember a particular point in, in my life where I, uh, I thought of Yeshua that way. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves deemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But the truth is he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell on him. And by his scourging or whipping, you know, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And so God says, I love you so much that I'm going to, I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to provide the way where all you have to do is return. And, and I will take the guilt of, of all of these transgressions. Yes, we have to suffer human consequences for what happens, but know in our heart that I am forgiven by God and he is restoring my life. He is transforming my life. And that was always his desire for Israel and that is indeed his desire uh, for us. You know, And that's what this Torah portion is about. It's about transformation. It's about forgiveness. It's about what God does. That's why Anna chose... A particular passage in the Brit Harashah, this great story that the Messiah tells uh, about this father who had two sons. One does all the right things, stays home. The other one is rebellious. The other one leaves home, does whatever he wants to do, spends all his money. And then he realizes that wasn't smart, right? Look at me. My life is a, sham I made a shambles. I've made all kinds of wrong choices. I'm wallowing. I'm eating the pig food. You know, when I could be home, what am I doing? And so he comes home and then he's thinking, he's like practicing what he's going to say when he comes home. You know, okay, I'm going to tell him I'm sorry. I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell him I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, it, yeah. and, and then he sees his father standing there waiting for him. Uh-oh, right? But he gets close and he sees that his arms are wide open and he embraces his son. And he says, let's have a big party. He's come back. He doesn't even, he doesn't say to him, I told you so, or anything. He embraces him. And the idea is Yeshua tells that story 
because there were people, there were religious leaders who were saying, why does he eat with those kind of people? Why does he spend time with the outsiders? You know, the people who are known to be sinners, big time sinners. Why does he spend his time with them? And so the reason he tells the story is so that they would recognize they're like the son who stayed home and that they need to appreciate that what God can do in the lives of people. And that's why Yeshua tells that story. And so he indeed forgives their sins. He forgives our sins. And this is the way that Hashem, the God of Israel, has shown his great love to us by sending the Messiah. You know, in the Psalms, in Psalm 37, it says there, commit your way to the Lord. Uh, commit your way to the Lord and the Lord will do it, right? Commit your way to the Lord, your destiny, your future to the Lord. So Anna, that's a great, that's a great word uh, for you right there, right? And, uh, and for all of us, right? Uh, commit your way to the Lord now. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And then God has a way of showing us what our good priorities need to be and what we need to do in life to live well uh, for him and to be able to embrace the, the promise, you know, uh, the assurance of deliverance, of, of salvation, of, of being right with him, regardless of what happens on the journey. Because in reality, we all live in a sukkah. We're all traveling through life in a sukkah. But what never changes is the character of God. He is always welcoming us uh, to come back. Just like our ancestors after the golden calf and then later on in Jewish history and to this day and in all of our own lives, regardless of who we are, Jew or Gentile, the one and only God has sent his Messiah uh, to be the glory of Israel and a light of revelation to the nations.